Angie has made it easier than ever to hire high-quality pros to get all your home service jobs done well. Just bring them your project online or with the Angie app, answer a few questions, and Angie will connect you with local pros who match your specific needs. Or book a service instantly at an upfront price. So join the millions of homeowners who use Angie to care for their homes and get your next home service job done well. Download the free Angie mobile app today or visit Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I dot com. Angie has made it easier than ever to hire high-quality pros to get all your home service jobs done well. Just bring them your project online or with the Angie app, answer a few questions, and Angie will connect you with local pros who match your specific needs or book a service instantly at an upfront price. So join the millions of homeowners who use Angie to care for their homes and get your next home service job done well. Download the free Angie mobile app today or visit Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I dot com. Hello and welcome to Toonami Preflight. Uh, today we're going to be scaring the pants off ourselves and you. Uh, if Well, I guess if you're not afraid of spiders, it won't be that scary. Yeah. Are you afraid of spiders? I do not like little bugs, yeah. So I don't like... It's not spiders in particular. It's like, I don't like bugs. Insects. Yeah, I don't like insects. Little uh, ones. I don't know if it was fate or not, but I was at my mom's house and I saw the biggest spider I've literally ever seen in my entire life walking around like a hand on her couch and I almost fucking shit myself. It What'd you do with it? We put it in a little glass jar, uh, glass and let it outside. Of course you let and it then live. we poured rubber cement on it and lit it on fire. Fucking hippie. Not of course in you house. let it live. Here, I was going to show you a picture. Oh, that's a pretty big spider. Oh my god, if that thing was in my house, it would die. The Let me just it's explain. It's not also like a scale. First of all, your mom needs a new couch. Um, the my rule with bugs is I'm not going to mess with bugs unless don't they start mess with won't be no shit. Right, if they don't mess with me. But if you come into my house, is that what, that I think that's what should be on your tombstone is don't, don't, Jason Tarko, don't start no shit, won't be I no mean, shit. I mean, pretty much. My daughter, however, will always try to save the bugs. She's always feels bad when she sees me kill a roach, and I'm always like, no. Roaches die. Spiders, I feel like, serve... A purpose. Well, ultimately, roaches serve a purpose, too. To skeeve you out? No. Survive the Holocaust? <laughs> eat all the little crumbs you leave lying about? Yeah, eat, eat, eat refuse. That's a valuable thing. I hate them anyway. I mean, I kill roaches. I'm not arguing on behalf of roaches. I'm I kill roaches. Saying, I think I, your logic is a little I tend, slippery. Oh, I'm not usual. saying that it's... As usual, by the way. For the most part... I don't think much of what Gil ever does in his life makes real sense to anyone but Gil. I mean, you should try it in here sometime. Yeah, I can't imagine. I can only imagine. Horrifying. There's probably a whole spider's nest it's up It's true. There. Maybe that's why I do Maybe that's why save you're the like, spiders. Just, alive. It's like my if brain. If you ever see a spider like trickle out of my ear yeah. and then go back in... Uh, just, no doubt. Well, why don't, we, uh, why don't we kick it off with the reason that we decided to go with um, this theme for the episode, and that's because we, were going, we knew we were going to be talking about the 1987 classic Wicked City, uh, which has a very memorable, disgusting spider lady in it that is pretty creepy. Yeah. Um, so Wicked City 
was one of those sort of when 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 anime was sort of first making its way into the states it was one of those that was always at the video store like vampire hunter d and so it's something i saw in high school um and it left an impression i'm sure it did because it's really violent and it it's influenced, I think, a lot by John Carpenter's The Thing. So it's got some really creepy, surreal monsters and a lot of sort of nudity. And, like, it's just a very adult anime kind yeah, of like... I mean, it's of... not really much more than, like, um, The Professional. You know, the... the uh, Gol- I mean, it's not much it more... It takes a vi- than more violent turn, I would say. Uh, Golgo's pretty violent. Um <laughs> And but anyway, so uh, it's very discomforting because the alien, the monsters in this movie like to sort of have sex with people and then reveal themselves. So, um, but it's a good, well-made movie. Uh, the guy that directed it, Yoshiaki Kawajiri, is the guy who did Ninja Scroll, and he did Vampire Hunter D, Bloodlust, not the original, but the sequel. And then he did he did the Neo Tokyo segment that is my favorite with the racers. Yeah. Um, so he's just got a really cool, dark vision. He's super. Was also a writer on Wind Named Amnesia, which seems not necessarily. Yeah, yeah that's a weird credit. The same. But evidently, thing. this was started. There was a book that was a hit. And so um, they came to uh, Madhouse, the studio where he was, and said, We want to do a short. So he did a 35 minute short. And whoever the investors were, they liked it so much, they asked him to turn it into a movie. So he was like, Yeah, okay. So they made this, and it was released as an OVA. In 1987, it was dubbed. It's one of the old school bad dubs. It's a pretty terrible dub. Um, I yeah, there's pre- moments where you're like, "Oh, this isn't so bad," and then it's like, "Oh, yeah, uh, it's pretty terrible. terrible," in a hilarious way. So, um, yeah, it's but super basically, 80s dub. But basically, the story is that the, in this universe, there's a there's something called the Black World, which is an alternate dimension that's filled with demons, and it has they have been coexisting with our world peacefully for thousands of years and every couple hundred years they have to both worlds agree to renew the treaty the non-aggression pact that they that we have between our two worlds um and so there are people who are spirit mediums who sort of talk to the demon people and it's the whole thing is like all right don't start no shit won't be no shit is basically the theme of the movie um so we're coming up on one of the times in this film we're about to come up on one of the the trees about to expire and so the main character is a guy who works for something called the black guard which are basically a secret sort of paramilitary police organization whose job is to make sure that rogue elements of demon revolutionaries can't screw up the treaty by causing problems so his cover is he's an electronics parts his cover is he's a salary man yeah which is so dumb why would you need a cover but it's basically that most normal people don't know that this world exists this is like some men in black type stuff basically and so the the crux of the movie is this main character he's partnered with a woman from the demon world who's also like sort of the demon world version of a cop and they have to guard this spirit spirit medium named giuseppe Maillard, which is the funniest name ever um who is integral to the peace talks and Me- also a horny old toad yes master he, he's a target for the demon for the for the people from the black world who want to kill him so that they can mess up the the um the treaty so there's a lot of action it's it's pretty much like you know people call it cyberpunk there's not really much that's cyberpunk about it it's just sort of it's really more influenced by the thing than anything yeah. else there's I mean, it's, it would body be, horror for sure yeah it's more way more body horror because what would normally be 
cables and electronic cyberpunk are just tentacles. Tentacles and ribs. Yeah. And, I mean, it's all kinds of crazy. If you've ever seen The Thing, that's the reason we keep referencing it is because much like The Thing, these demon creatures seem to have not highly defined abilities. They can do all kinds of stuff, but their biggest thing seems to be that like, there's literally a character whose head pops off and turns into a spider, just away. like The Thing. Yeah. And then there's this woman who's basically a spider, and the movie begins with her seducing the main character, and midway through them making love, she turns into this giant spider creature and starts crawling on the walls, and it's pretty legitimately disturbing, I think. I find it legitimately <laughs> I would say that's an accurate um, yes. And there's a whole... She tries to kill him, and he survives, <laughs> and she's like, well... I'll catch Call you later. it even. Yeah. But there's so there's all kinds of weird stuff like that. People's chests burst open and tentacles come out. Like it's there's a little bit of tentacle stuff, you know. This is the this is the 80s, so there's a few elements that are in every 80s adult anime. Um so you should be prepared if you try to watch it. Extremely but, prepared. But let's check out uh the discotech trailer. I think this is for the DVD release a number of years ago. Let's check out the trailer for Wicked City. There's a world of darkness out there. Beyond time or space. A world filled with evil that is undeniably real. And in that world, there are things that run wild. Your assignment is to meet a certain person. He's coming into Narita tonight at 7 o'clock for the ceremony tomorrow. Who is this person I'm supposed to meet? Mr. Giuseppe Maillard. You're going to work with a partner this time. She'll be waiting for you at the airport. Just look for the most beautiful woman there and you'll find her. I'm told you're a brilliant fighter, but the facts speak a little differently. I'm sure things are going to work out just fine tonight. We're going to have a good time. Could this be a dream? If it is a dream, I pray that we never wake up. I like that he has a sweet Blade Runner revolver, though. Yeah. They make they, they bother to show it's like a three fifty seven. Um so yeah, it's Shoots caster shells. It's uh it's not like I mean actually the story is pretty solid. Like it it tells a story that makes sense and much like last week's movie it's like, "Huh, it kind of makes sense." Yeah. There's no loose ends. I'm surprised, you know, in the 80s this was a perennial like in every movie every video store. I'm surprised no one made a sequel to this because it seems like it's an interesting world with an interesting idea that you could explore in a series or a, you know, like I'm surprised that there's not been any more Wicked City stuff just because. Yeah, there was a live action movie. Which is not great. Which is it was a terrible. Hong Kong, Hong Kong flick. And I don't know if that adversely affected. It was like the next, it was like a year later. But I mean, I, I'm just surprised because I think the world is interesting and they don't really tell you much about the demon world. They're just like, it's demon world. It's crazy. It's the black world. Yeah, I mean, I guess if you ongoing, you've already set up that the treaty only happens every couple hundred years. So it's like you either have to skip forward a ways <laughs> or you've got to come up with some other. Yeah, but I mean, you know, just, it's anime. You can just retell it and change the facts and right. do whatever you want. Sure. But um but yeah, a really it's really well animated, much like all of his work. Um, it's not quite as good looking as Ninja Scroll, which was a theatrical release, but it looks really good. It holds up pretty well for its time. Um, yeah, I mean it's thirty yeah years old. <laughs> it's kind of hard to find. Um, yeah, it hasn't been remastered. You can get the DVD pretty easily. Um, yeah, you can get an old DVD, but, but you, it's not streaming anywhere um, legally anyway. Um, but if you can get your hands on it and you like horror and you have a strong stomach and are down with, you know, messed up Japanese horror, surreal 
horror, then you might be into it. I loved it when I saw it in high school. I thought it was great because it felt so dangerous because there was like nudity and gore and like you know it was it was uh, good if you're into the horror type stuff. Yeah, but if you it's if extreme. you're not yeah if you're not then I would steer clear. Right. But so because of Spider Lady, we decided to go ahead and have today's question of the week uh, be. What's your favorite scariest fictional spider? <laughs> it says sacriest. <laughs> the, the graphic said sacriest. What's your favorite sacriest fictional well, spider? Well, it's the egg sac. It's oh, how, gotcha. Sacriest type. How full of eggs. <laughs> um, so I will go first. And I, you know, you don't really... I. There, this has never been animated or filmed yet. Maybe one day they will do the Silmarillion. But for now, I only can show you drawings. But... Uh, my first pick. My, my first pick is the character Ungoliant from uh, J.R.R. Tolkien's *The Silmarillion*. Horrifying. Um, so Ungoliant is basically she's one of the few characters that Tolkien didn't make her origins totally clear, like Tom Bombadil. Like there's not a true quote unquote origin story. She just basically in the era before Middle Earth, when it was basically gods and demigods living together, she was sort of a primal force of darkness that coalesced in the shape of a giant spider who had an endless hunger to eat light. So uh, Melkor, who becomes Morgoth, who eventually becomes Sauron, um, Melkor wanted to attack the Valar, which are the gods in this area, in this in this time, because they're basically in heaven, basically. So Melkor wanted to uh, attack the gods, and in order to do that, there are these two trees called the Trees of Valinor that are protecting all the gods, and they're made of light. So he convinces Ungoliant to come with him, and she drains the trees of all their light, and there's this giant lake made of light that she drains dry, and she gets so powerful, he gets kind of scared, like, uh... This maybe, was a bad plan. Maybe I screwed up because now it seems like she's just going to eat me and then everything in the universe because she basically has this bottomless hunger. She just wants to eat everything all the time, like me. So um, so then she, they get to this point where Melkor decides, okay, now's, now I can sort of go off and attack who I want to attack. He promised her he would give her the Silmarils, which is what the Silmarillion's named after, which are these three magical gems that give you immense power. He tells her, nah, we're parting ways, deuces. And then he gets a bunch of Balrogs, and they attack Ungoliant, and Ungoliant is driven away by all these Balrogs attacking her and ends up sort of hiding in this veil, which she just turns into this veil of darkness. And anything that goes in there just gets their life sucked away. And that's where she starts having all these baby spiders, and she she grows them into adult spiders and then eats them. Um, and that is where her baby Shelob, who ends up in um, Lord of the Rings, plays a big part. Shelob is the last dis- take all my descendant. Well, it's your problem. The last descendant of Ungoliant. Um, but Ungoliant eventually dies by eating herself. She gets so hungry, she just eats herself. To me, that's a scary idea that it's so hungry that it makes babies to eat them. That's pretty messed up. Even for, Tol- like, Tolkien, <laughs> it yeah. does not normally come up with super messed up stuff like that. But the idea of a giant spider that's so hungry that it eats all light and also makes its own babies to eat them yeah, and then th- eats itself is like... I feel fairly certain that Tolkien was not somewhat into spiders. Afraid, afraid of spiders. <laughs> Eating light, I think, is... I'm not a trained psychiatrist, but I feel like there's probably some yeah. scary 
spider moment in his past. I would, I would think you're right. Um, so next up, um, I wanted to reference this because it basically happens in Wicked City, and that is the head spider from The Thing, also called the head crab by some people. I'm going to go with head spider. Uh, this creature is basically created of pretzel sticks. It's basically created verbatim, recreated verbatim in Wicked City at one point. Um, a guy's head pops off and spins around and then starts crawling towards him just like this. Yeah, I this think thing. the one thing is the head's the other way. And yeah. Wicked City's like, no, 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 that's upside, gotta fix right it. side up head. It's totally fine. So the thing has many totally mind-bendingly horrible scenes that I love so much, but this is probably the one most people remember. So we're going to go ahead and watch the birth of the head spider. So check this out. Yeah, horrifying. That is, I love that movie, and that scene is totally horrifying. So yeah, the head spider from the thing always sticks out in my mind as a horrifying spider creature. Um, it's like take all the things you don't like about a spider and then add an upside down human head to it. This is what make makes it, it even weirder. Gigantic. Um, and then finally, this is from a new film, and uh, I just really liked this scene in the movie, and these were pretty well. They're pretty creepy, um, and that is the giant spiders from um, Kong Skull Island. They're so huge. There's a scene where the guys get lost in the forest, and they don't realize that the spider's legs are not trees. Like, at first, they're like, why are these trees moving? Then they look up up through the canopy, and there's this giant spider blotting out the sky, which seems to me probably the scariest thing I can imagine. Yeah, so here is uh, a compilation of some of the scenes of the giant spiders from Kong Skull Island. Samuel Jackson. Samuel Jackson don't care. I could think of more pleasant ways to die. Yeah, just that it's it's stabbing guys with its legs that look like giant bamboo shoots, and then it's also shooting webs and sucking them up to grab them in its jaws. It's yeah. like it's pretty horrifying. No, thank you. Um, you know, I'm obviously Kong would just squash it like I would the bug in your house, but yeah, but these guys are not Kong. But no, uh, so those are three of my favorite scary giant spiders. Well, they all happen to be. No, they aren't all giant. But those are three of my favorite favorite scary. I, th- I believe spiders. it was um, fictional. Fictional scariest. Scariest. <laughs> Sacrius. Sacrius fictional, fictional spiders. spiders. Yeah. Um, excellent choices. Thank you. Horrifying to the last. <laughs> First for me is from the 2010 play dead game Inside, uh, and that is Limbo. Uh, sorry, Limbo. From the makers say, of Inside. Did you just say it was okay? So from the game Limbo, cold medicine still yeah. kicking in for gotcha. me. Um, so this is a side-scrolling black and white game, and when you first meet the spider, it's so we have some game footage, and this is I think basically everyone's the way everybody played it is like you're walking left to right. You see the spider, and you instantly just turn around. And you're like, <laughs> nope, because um, you can't really run all that fast. It's in limbo. You're basically just sort of moving along and generally right. tottering over. And um, 
you see these legs come down and then it starts sort of playing out and you see it's all just like the rest of the game it's all shadows and light and dark but when you see the first legs uncoil it's that alien aliens moment of yeah, just like, like oh shit um so let's check out a little bit of gameplay footage from limbo So Ugh, creepy. That That's gameplay is obviously once you sort of know what's going on. The first time you just die. You walk up. He just jams the, she, the leg right through your straight head. into your head, and then eventually you figure out about chopping off. And but you think you think you're free, and then you're not free. And that way you have to sort of hop down, and eventually you can hop up and move a boulder, and the boulder rolls down and smashes the spider, and you can. Watch that's what makes it what makes it so creepy is the spider makes no sound There's yeah no, that's just totally silent and yeah. it's just appears and disappears and that yeah you're totally powerless and basically. that's kind of how spiders are they don't make any sound and it's scary yeah. as hell most of them until don't. you hear that and, <laughs> um but yeah so that's limbo and those guys made um yeah. inside later that on that rules. did not have any scary spiders in it but it was plenty also of great scary things game, game, <laughs> not spiders tremendous amount of horrifying moments as well uh, second for me is Jason's illusion earlier, Shilob, the last child of Ungoliant, um, which in the books takes place. Uh, you first meet Shilob in, in uh, the two towers in the movie, which we're going to show the clip from. It's Return of the King, um, where they're just sort of reshuffling mm. the timeline a little bit. And um, it's the path to Kedith Ungol, right? Yeah, and that's and where she they... lives in Torik. Ungol, yeah, which is near Kirith the base, the basement of Kirith Ungol, and um, so Gollum is leading the hobbits into Shilob's lair in hopes to get back his precious, uh, and it sort of almost works. It was a good plan, Gollum. Nice try, um, but unfortunately, uh, you didn't count on one Samwise Gamgee, yep, and um, and his gift from Galadriel, yep. and and the fact that he has. Sting. Sting. Yeah. So it's other than the fact that there are you're way outnumbered and way out gunned. <laughs> it was a good plan. So let's check out a sort of mashup cut from uh, Return of the King of seeing the first you first see Shilob and then you see uh, a little bit how of fight. horrifying it is to be wrapped up encased in spider gunk. Let's check it out. Touch him again. Come on and finish it. So, yeah, in the interest of time, we didn't show the disgusting, smelling, smelly hobby feet. Falling, yeah. I might be more afraid, afraid of his feet than of the, You might be, yeah. Yeah, just poor Shilob's feet. <laughs> if, as you go to sleep tonight and you have a horrifying nightmare, it's going to be Shilob's pincers yeah. on one side and in his feet. Sam's feet. Kicking you gently in the face, <laughs> but yeah, they did. Um, they did a good job with Shilob in um, yeah. Lord of the Rings. I mean, I think as in the movies, Tolkien lore not obviously as horrifying a creature as Ungoliath, but from writ large on the screen is totally pretty, disgusting pretty and horrifying horrible, yeah. in every single way. From vomitous, yeah, uh, ah, that's like ven- yeah, venom when, that when it like fills him you. up with venom to the point where he's like, and venom's coming out. It's like, and then ugh. gently. Disgustingly yeah. cradling him in, yeah, little 
spidery. It's like, did you really have to fill his entire body with the venom? <laughs> yeah. But I guess that's what that's ultimately she, keeps him alive. And that's allows... she love. And then they kind of tried to sort of redo the creepy spider thing when they did the Hobbit. Yeah. Well, uh, that is unexpected journey. It is because they well they well they spent a longer time yeah. in the movie on it because they're like oh that was a pretty good scene like yeah it's, so it's again creepy in, spiders. In fairness, they in were Berkeley. turning a fourteen-page book into a seventy-five yeah volume and in the uh, and in the in the movie the Hobbit an unexpected journey when they go to Mirkwood and fight the spiders someone I think I think it's uh, Legolas says like these are the children of Ungoliant. But they're really the, the children. children of Shelob. Shelob. The grandchildren yeah, of they're, Ungoliant. Yeah, they're just distant relatives of Ungoliant, basically, really, because Ungoliant was the first spider, so every spider in this world is related to Ungoliant. She has many grandchildren. <laughs> but, uh, and, yeah, uh, horrifying. Yeah. So this is not the episode to watch if you don't like spiders, really. No. Yeah. Or to prepare for if you don't like spiders. That's yeah, uh, yeah, true. Uh, my last choice is somewhat unconventional. Um, but I still think is horrifying in the juxtaposition of humor and terror. It's a fine line between crying and laughing. And this is Chris Columbus's 1990 masterpiece, Home Alone. Hmm. Okay. Um, I, what makes this so scary for me is Daniel Stern's masterful acting turn of having a spider gently placed and then... Have you ever had a tarantula? Have you ever, did yeah. you have like the elementary school yeah, once. trip where they're like, like, that's enough. I think, I don't know how anyone's not totally horrified by tarantulas that you're just a sick, totally deranged human being if you keep them as pets. But if you were <laughs> watching, thank you for checking out. Um, so this is uh, my, I didn't, I didn't have the elementary school tarantula moment, but I did have a kid in high school who had him that I knew who lived down the street from me. And I was always just like, you want to come play with the tarantulas? Like, nah, man, I'm good. That <laughs> doesn't sound like anything that's fun. Um, and then he, after we saw this movie, he was like, yeah, no, it's like, you can just put him on. It doesn't actually hurt. He really just freaked out for no reason. I was like, it's a giant spider crawling on your face. So <laughs> this is sort of a personal moment for me, but let's check out home alone in a totally terrifying and then somewhat redemptive moment. I don't like Home Alone. You just scared me way worse than any spider could by showing by me showing Home Alone. Alone. Yeah. Were you? Uh, was it a traumatic movie for you that you were left Home Alone? It's before? traumatically terrible, but not a not a huge Chris Columbus. I was. Fan. Uh, What's your most favorite? I was Chris ni- Columbus nineteen movie? when that movie came out. I don't have a favorite Chris Columbus. Movie. No, you. Ha- I mean, it's your least yeah. lot. Your most not least favorite. I guess the second Harry Potter movie. Yeah. He sucks. So, Chris Columbus, if you're watching, apologies. You're scarier than any spider. Your sense of humor. Woo! Your uh, child wonder (sighs) of fanciful knowledge. Anyway, those are some of our favorite scariest fictional spiders. Let's check out the Adult Swim Facebook's picks. Jeff the Spider from Billy and Mandy. Yeah. 
Spiders from the movie Spiders, I think, is a good, succinct Shelob, Ungoliant, yeah. baby, baby head, head toy, toy spider. spider. That's good. That's, that's a good one because that's a pretty creepy moment in Toy Story. Yeah. The and baby then, ends up being a good guy, but it's still... Again, putting the human head, yeah. the spider legs is a recurring theme. Nobody wants to see that. Nobody shit. wants to see that, yeah. Uh, let's check out Toonami Facebook's choices. Shelob coming in first. Facehuggers from Alien, I almost did. I think the um, facehuggers count. They're basically spiders. Yeah. I mean, they're spiders that can lay an egg inside you, which and is even yeah, more Yeah, so much of the that lore is very... Yeah. Ungoliant again. Kumonga, yep. Spiders from Arachnophobia. I almost picked that because that movie really does have all kinds of crazy spiders. Like and it, they're all scary. Yeah, it doesn't seem like it should be as scary as it is, and they really do a they good job. They did a good job. There's yeah. really no st- spider stone left unturned. No, they do every kind of spider. Horrifying you. Yeah, and every kind all. of scenario that a spider might be involved in, like, they, they creep you out. Yeah, um, So, good choices, Facebook yeah, voters. thank you for thank you for as always voting and letting us know what you guys think. And now we have a bunch of stuff, sneak peek stuff to show you for our broadcast tomorrow night. So first up will be a topical promo for episode eight of Samurai Jack. We are almost at the end of approaching the show. Um, that'll be tomorrow night at eleven p.m. So let's check out what Jack's going to be doing on the next episode of Samurai Jack. What is this place? The way we came in should be up ahead. Oh no. It should have been right here. Samurai Jack, Saturday at 11 p.m. What madness is this? I'll choose this over whatever is chasing us. We're lost. Only Toonami on Adult Swim. All we can really tell you about the episode is they get chased at one point. <laughs> but it's really good. All get, the stuff yeah. we can't tell you is awesome. It is really good, yeah. But you should get used to the promos not telling you much at this point because yeah, we're not giving anything away. Um, very specific amount of information, which is quite small, <laughs> yeah. that we're allowed to reveal. So that's tomorrow night at 11 p.m. Uh, and then we have a promo for episode 17 of Dragon Ball Super, which will air tomorrow night at 11.30 p.m. Let's check out what's happening there. On the next all-new episode of Dragon Ball Super. When you marry a Saiyan, you have to let life unfold in a little different way. Take my husband, for instance. He's across the universe training with that Whis guy, and I haven't seen him in six whole months. Vegeta's doing what? Dragon Ball Super, Saturday at 11.30. Whis is just helping him reach a new level like you did. Ah! He's been out training this whole time while I've been out farming? Only Toonami on Adult Swim. Well, he's been out farting. That doesn't sound <laughs> I've been out farting? Yeah, but we're in a little bit of a comedy arc right now before we get back to the action. Um, and then, of course, we are happy and proud to be showing the new season of Attack on Titan pretty closely after it premieres in Japan. So we're on episode three um, Saturday night, and that will be airing at 12.30 a.m. So check out our promo for episode three of Attack on Titan. The next all-new episode of Attack on Titan. The signs don't look good for Connie's family. But with no bodies or even blood found, could there still be hope? Meanwhile, it comes as a relief that no walls have been breached. Or is there something even more dangerous coming? Get ready for a new episode of Attack on Titan. Saturday night at 12.30. Only Toonami on Adult Swim. I like Sasquatch Titan. 
instant new favorite. Yeah, and we're running them so close to the Japanese yeah. premiere that we don't actually have the English right. dialogue for so we have to topicals. Just, so that's why we have to do the VO. Yeah, I uh, I may do uh, Sasquatch Titan as a as a, as a cosplay custom. thing. Yeah, I like it. Um, just because I already did the, the Great Saiyan <laughs> ape. Um, and then finally, um, we you know people told us they were really happy that when we did our anniversary five week celebration for of our twentieth anniversary, we were releasing HD versions of um, past Moltar era stuff that people we thought were lost. But I mean, yeah. basically, what happened was since people have been asking, well, I thought you said that, that stuff was all gone. Most of it is gone. What happened was we knew the 20th anniversary was coming up, and about a year out, we went. We we had our storage place, Iron Mountain, which if you watch uh, Mr. Robot, they call it Steel Mountain, but it's a real place that literally every allegedly a ev- real place. every corporation uses, every media company for sure, and they store things. It's a giant storage facility called Iron Mountain, and we used to back in the day when we had lots of tapes. You would eventually, when you had no use for a bunch of tapes, you would just box them up and send them to Iron Mountain because who knows, maybe you would need them sometime. So these tapes had been sitting in Iron Mountain storage for literally 20 years. So we basically pulled all of our tapes out of storage to see what we had. And at a certain point, we stopped sending the tapes to storage because it was just not worth the money. And... Uh, or we kept. They kept saying, "Well, we just had to you got to throw some away, you know." And these were like at the. These were like in the back of the shelf, so they never got rotated out, basically. But so we have a couple leftover ones that we will periodically drop on you guys, and so we thought we would do one of our old classics, which is villains, which so, was we've run in pre-flight before, yeah, but we weren't allowed to tell you at the time that that portion of Toonami wasn't actually going to be running because of the Rick and Morty April Fool's stunt. Oh, that's right. So this will be, in theory, the first time it will be running on air. So um, the thinking behind this, this is back when basically we had a bunch of extra airtime, and at a certain point the network came to Sean and was like, you need to fill this time with something. And so he just was like, what are we going to do? And so he came up with the Heroes interstitial with Cahill. And then we said, well, if we did heroes, we should do villains. So then we came up with a villains interstitial, um, and it, came, it ended up being this. So check out our um, interstitial villains. What is that thing we're up against anyway? I'm hit. Exactly. Don't stand there like a dummy. All right, listen up. Today we're talking about something very important. Villains, bad guys, the heavy. Webster defines a villain as cruelly malicious. A scoundrel. One more step and she's doomed. We don't get enough credit. What's a hero without a villain? It's a joy to see your wicked mind at work. Bad guys make life more interesting. My favorite bad guy, besides myself, is Lotor. That is incredibly good news. Lotor! You remember him? He seems kind of wimpy. But he's got personality. You've had it. (laughs) I'm really mad at that Lotor. And let's not forget Mumra. 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 Are you okay? Another one of my favorites. I can't believe it. You know, it's not easy going out there day after day, making the world unsafe for superheroes. We have a to do. They always 
seem to come out on top. Voltron has done it again. Oh! <laughs> Being a villain is a thankless job, but we always have more fun along the way. And that's what being bad is now. Uh... <laughs> End it. We've lost picture. Fun. Yeah. I like villains. Sounds fun. More than heroes. Uh, I, I think villains are usually more interesting. Uh, for sure. No, I meant the pieces. Not <laughs> I think I think the villain's piece is more interesting. Yeah. For sure. Um, but yeah, so we may have more of those um, down the line because we are now doing three topicals a week. So we may have a little less time to do our other stuff. Um, and then our final segment of the day is... Uh, Another edition of Moving Pictures, in which I, Jason DeMarco Esquire, uh, see an animated film that I haven't seen based on your suggestions and do a review of it. And uh, the film I'm talking about this time is Your Name, Makoto Shinkai's newest film, which has the distinction of being the highest grossing anime film of all time now. Pretty much universally adored and universally positive reviews. I had to see it in the theater, so we will only have footage from like the trailers to use for my, for my piece. But here is what I thought of your name. Hey there, Toonami Faithful. This is your friendly neighborhood, Jason DeMarco. And this is another installment of Moving Pictures, in which I watch an animated film suggested to me by you, the viewers. So uh, you guys, several of you have suggested that I go see Makoto Shinkai's new film that's in theaters now, Your Name. So I'm excited. I've heard a lot of good things about it. Um, it's gotten rave reviews. It's obviously a blockbuster mega hit. It's been in the theater for several weeks here uh, at my local theater, which almost never happens with any anime. So it's already... I mean, I haven't seen excitement around this and around an anime film in the U.S. this broad since the days of Spirited Away. So I'm excited. I'm looking forward to seeing it. So I'm going to go check it out right now at my theater, and then I'll hop out and tell you guys what I thought. Okay? Thanks. Heading into the theater to see your name. Don't want to be this guy, though. Is that me while I watch the movie? It's way down here in the back area because it's been out for a couple weeks. And it's anime, and it's subtitled. So I'm sure those of you who are anime film goers have experienced the same thing. And then here it is, your name. Okay, I'm back from having seen your name, uh, and. I really liked it. Um, I think it was easily uh, Shinkai's best work. You know, watching it, it sort of reminded me of a normal Shinkai story about people longing to be with one another, mashed up with like Back to the Future because there's sort of a time travel element and there's a sort of, I don't want to give too much away, but there's a save the clock tower type thing going on where you're, you're sort of on the edge of your seat. Totally gorgeous. I mean, in terms of the visuals alone, it's, it's one of the best things I've seen in a long time, um, animation wise. The backgrounds are totally gorgeous. The use of light. I mean, Shinkai always has an amazing use of light and he loves water for that reason, I think. And just the amazing backgrounds and shot choices were great. 
I also really liked the editing. They would frequently cross cut between two characters and you wouldn't be sure of who was who at any particular time. I mean, basically broad, broad, broad strokes. The story is about a teen boy and a teen girl who live in different parts of Japan switching bodies. That's sort of how it starts, involuntarily, like at night. They don't really explain why, which I don't think they need to. They wake up the next day and don't remember anything that happened while their body was being inhabited by the other person. They finally start being able to figure out a way to communicate through diary entries, and it gets actually way more complicated from there. They sort of jump around so you're never really sure who's who, and you have to sort of pay attention to pretty finely calibered performance differences between the voice actors,、uh, and also Animation differences and the character animation is really, really great. Like, there's a very high attention to detail with facial expressions, movement. Those are your clues to who is inside whose body.、Um, and then, yeah, it just, it's like five movies in one. I mean, it, it kind of is a, it's sort of a teen comedy and then it's a star crossed romance and then it's sort of a disaster film and then it's a race against time movie. It's a time travel movie. Like, it's a bunch of different things and it still somehow ties together with all of Shinkai's normal themes, which are, of course, he's very much into observational stuff about everyday life and sort of the things that we all go through in our day to day lives as humans, the relationships we have. The two main characters are very finely detailed. They have very rich backstories, and all their decisions and things that they do in the film make sense for who they are as people. And they really do do a very good job of sort of teasing you and keeping you on the edge of your seat and wondering what's going to happen in a way that I've never seen Shinkai sort of care about as much. It feels like he made a conscious decision to graft a real plot on top of what would be his normal, a little bit more free form type you know, film that he makes. So, Um, I loved it. I can't wait to see it again. I think all the praise for it is highly justified. And, you know, as far as an anime I've seen in the theater, it's the best one I've seen in a long time, pretty much since The Wind Rises.、Uh, I think this is easily, far and away, his best work. And if he's capable of more stuff like this, I cannot wait to see it. He already made a really good niche for himself with the type of stories he tells, but this is stepping it up for him. Anyway, I think if you like anime <laughs> or、uh, you know, have any interest in this idea of a love story and body switching, you should check it out. Funnily enough, I saw it in the theater and I thought you know, there wouldn't be that many people, and it was a Monday night, and it was. There w a s about 30 people in there, and it's been in that theater for a month, and that was a Monday night, so pretty good. I loved it. You should check it out. I don't know how much longer it'll be in theaters, but it is definitely worth seeing on the big screen. And that's it. So if you have any other suggestions for animated films you think I should review, hit me up at ClarkNova1 on Twitter. This has been another edition of Moving Pictures. Thanks. Nice. So yeah,、uh, I have not yet seen it, but I would like to do so. Really good. Shinkai's best, easily. And I don't know if now he's going to end up being, you know, now that he has the distinction of the highest grossing movie of all time, maybe he's going to be the next Miyazaki, which is what people kept saying. Right. He just had never made anything that sort of connected. Like, all of his movies look beautiful, but there's always a little bit missing with the story. And I think this is the first one that it kind of all came together for everyone and just ended up being a massive hit. It's still in theaters now. Um, even here in Atlanta, so the, and, and that's in the US, and it's、right. been in the theater for weeks, which means it's doing well enough to stay in theater. So it's definitely a phenomenon for sure.、Um, 
I flew to uh, New York and it was for some reason available on the plane and they didn't watch it because I wanted to see it on the big screen but the person next to me ended up watching the whole thing and crying <laughs> so uh, it's a good plane movie it's a good theater movie just go see Four it quadrant. just support support your local anime theater um, sure. I think that's it that's all we have for this episode thank you for watching and we will see you next week on another edition of Toonami Preflight. Thanks and goodbye. <laughs>